Virtual reality encompasses computer technologies that simulate real or pretend environments and allow users to interact in those environments. Virtual reality is evolving as a platform for entertainment in the consumer world, but it is also showing up in sectors such as healthcare and the defense industry as educational tools. But what are the emerging privacy and security concerns of virtual reality technology? I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee, Executive Editor at Information Security Media Group. Today I'm speaking to attorney Stephen Tepler of the law firm Abbott Law Group, and Stephen will be discussing some of the emerging privacy and security risks posed by virtual reality technology. So now, Stephen, for starters, what sorts of virtual reality technology and gear are most commonly used today And what are you most concerned about from a privacy and security perspective, and why? VR is a technology that has definitions that will vary depending upon who with whom you speak, because the technologies can be mildly VR or can be immensely or intensely VR, immensely as well. For instance, VR has been used for a long time in flight simulation. You know, flight simulators are basically a virtual reality container that is used to train pilots and also is used by the military for other purposes as well. Virtual reality can even be looked at as drone usage in warfare. But from the consumer side, VR has applications in training for medical purposes. VR has a huge implication, huge potential for gaming. And, of course, you know, porn usually makes its way into any new technology first. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that as being something that, that also comes to the fore. What concerns me is that as these technologies are being rushed to market, and they are being rushed to market, the appropriate security and privacy considerations are not being adhered to or not being paid attention to. So, Stephen, with that said, in terms of the use of virtual reality gear in corporate environments, healthcare, educational environments, what sorts of potential security and privacy risks do you see, and how do you think they should be addressed? Well, in order to use a virtual reality device. I am almost sure that one has to register and provide certain amounts of information to A, the provider of the VR device, and B, the provider of the applications that may be used in that device. You know, similar to what Second Life or Virtual World used to be or is, but is, you know, kind of fading out at this point, you'll have to provide payment information, you'll have to provide possibly some personal information. And there's no rules, there are no standards, and there are no uniform security guidelines for the use of this personal information that's going to be used, A, for payment, and B, inevitably, if these virtual reality devices and applications start being used in a massive format, like in massive multiplayer games, you really don't know what it is that you might communicate and that might be recorded or information about you or your playing habits or your geolocation that might be used and used for marketing purposes without your consent. And again, the payment issues and the personal information that you might have to give these application providers from within the virtual reality platform may not be up to par. And we don't even know what up to par is at this point for virtual reality. 
So with that said, what should the consumer and even the corporate user know about potential privacy and security risks as they use these devices? The common piece of advice that I typically give is to read your terms of service very carefully. Read what information both the VR provider, the platform provider, whether it's a device and or software to run the VR platform, and the applications that run on the VR device are requiring from you. Sometimes you have to dig and find out. Sometimes you'll have to go online to be able to find out what the terms of service are and just clicking through or just registering from within a virtual reality environment may not be enough to give you a sense of what information is being collected and used about you. For corporate information, if there's medical diagnostics being done in, in virtual reality, virtual reality may be used to guide a an operation such that I can envision a doctor or someone who's a surgeon being able to guide another surgeon by virtual reality to be able to do that, so to be able to do the operation. And if there's a, a combination of that virtual reality with the actual operation and the information shared, that can be extremely problematic. So now what are the threats, the security and privacy threats to these technologies, VR systems, the gear? Is it a matter of data leakage, private information leaking out, maybe falling into the wrong hands, the hackers? What, what do you see as some of the threats facing these devices? They can be hacked. These games can possibly be compromised in a way that the virtual reality causes and actually might cause some sort of physical injury. You know, VR has a, there are VR devices out there that tend to make people quite nauseous if you use it the wrong way or if you depart too quickly from the VR application. I can see that people can be injured, number one, but I also can see that the message saying your VR session is about to terminate. Please contact this website that looks like a real website and give us your credit card information. The typical, you know, scammer hacker type of routine. It's possible that there may be malware within the VR application itself that might take personal information if the personal information is stored on the VR device itself as well. Or if the information is stored in the VR cloud, which is typically where all this is operated from, there are security and privacy implications because these VR providers are going to be using cloud-based technology to to run their operations. And the typical cloud-based security is may not be visible to the user because the user just sees the front-end terms of service they don't understand what the terms of service with the between the VR provider and the cloud might be. So, Stephen, when it comes to the use of virtual reality in the workplace, such as in healthcare, perhaps as a training tool, what should these entities be doing to bolster privacy and security in their environments as these virtual reality products get implemented into their environment and used? Again, once, as I mentioned, you want to read the terms of service, the end user license agreement. You want to find out if you're generating information, who owns that information about you or about your training. Because it may be in a training session that your training is done wrong, and if someone in litigation is able to capture that information, they may be able to sue you on that, and certainly you wouldn't want to have that happen. But you also want to find out 
how that information is being used and reused, where it's stored, how it's stored, who the cloud providers are, and I, I will bet you that you will be surprised that probably these cloud providers are probably in East Asia somewhere or somewhere where your relative security profiles are not strictly enforced or not there at all. So you want to ask the questions. Can you ask the questions? There will be a problem probably because you're going to have an unequal bargaining position unless you're a large entity because Joe Smith is not going to call up and say to uh, you know a large VR provider, send me all of the information about how you do what you do and where you store the information and how you use it. So it behooves you to just be very careful and do as best you can in finding out. Do your research. If you're an organization, don't sign on unless you get representations and warranties about how that information is being used, stored, and possibly reused, and what protections are made to protect privacy and confidentiality. And so, Stephen, looking ahead, how popular do you think these virtual reality technologies might become in sectors such as healthcare and other sectors? And as they do grow in use, are there any other evolving risks that should be addressed by the vendors themselves at this point? The vendors should be very careful about um, making sure that their quality assurance and their coding is up to snuff, which means that, you know, it, it may mean a slower rush to market if I can mur- murder a metaphor. Typically, you know, you got to move and move quickly, get your uh, product out, monetize it, and worry about consequences later. But here, because of the key intimacy with the user and the, the pervasiveness, the, the pervasiveness in terms of volume of users, something that will happen, this is almost like an IoT issue where if something bad happens, it'll happen to a lot of people because one virtual reality vendor or uh, application provider may have a million or two million or a hundred million users. And Stephen, so far, have there been any notable breaches involving the virtual reality technologies? It's too new. I have not seen it yet. You know, we're basically at the very beginning of the commercialization of VR for the consumer. I think that my opinion is that VR headsets are going to give way to much smaller and lighter devices, maybe something that you can stick in your eye like a contact lens at one point. But until then, you'll see applications being developed, I think. Um, not sure how the adoption is going to be. The, the prices of these devices are pretty high, and I think you know they'll be competing with the Xbox and PlayStation. And I'm not sure yet. Uh, how on the on the gaming or how on the personal consumer side, how fast that'll ramp up. On the corporate side, on the enterprise side, if they find a use for it, they'll employ it. Again, you have to have a use case laid out for it, and I think people are still developing. They still have to know what the VR device does, what the platform offers, before they can make the use case for it. And other than you know training, medical procedures, that sort of stuff, I think we're still at the very beginning of uh, figuring that out. Thanks, Stephen. I've been speaking to attorney Stephen Tepler. I'm Marianne Kolbesak-McGee of Information Security Media Group. Thanks for listening.